Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Japan Business Podcast, episode four. My name is Eric Ahoner, your host and founder of Japan Business Consulting. In the last episode, we talked about Japanese sales channels, and today we're going to talk about cultural considerations in business with Japan. Now, I think I do not have to mention the importance of understanding cultural nuances in Japanese business. If you don't know how to navigate culture and business, it will be very difficult to long term be successful in Japan. Now, I want to separate or segment the、uh, podcast today. Today's podcast will be completely without any presentation or anything. So even if you're listening, you should be fine.、Um, but I want to talk about cultural nuances impacting business in the first segment. Then the second segment, I'll talk about building strong relationships. The third segment will be about、uh, communication styles and etiquette. Uh, which I had already partially mentioned in episode two of the, of the podcast. And then we're going to close、uh, with what we've learned. So, first of all, talking about cultural nuances impacting business. First and foremost, we need to understand that Japan has a high context communication style. What does that mean in comparison to low context and high context? High context means that. You need to read between the lines. To give you an example, in Japan, when people ask too many questions or don't really understand what was meant by a certain gesture or face expression, they're quickly called KY, which stands for Kuki Yomenai or can't read the air or Translated into English, cannot read between the lines. And foreigners usually fall into that category. So, if you're a foreigner that doesn't know much about Japanese culture or business culture, you might be maybe not called out loud, but people will think you're a KY because you don't know certain rules,、uh, unspoken rules, or cultural. Uh, norms in Japan, and、uh, you might make mistakes, but that's, that's part of the, German,、uh, of the journey. <laughs> and so, what、um, you always have to keep in mind is that reading between the lines is something very typical for high, high context communication style, which is the case in Japan. Why? Because Japan is a very homogenous、uh, culture. Uh, or has a very homogenous culture compared to、um, immigration con- countries like、uh, the US or、uh, some countries in Europe. So,、uh, I mean, we have so many different cultures and so many di- different、uh, opinions and traditions here that there, there's a low context, or people have to explain what they mean.、Um, if you have a very, very homogenous Uh, culture, people don't need to explain so many things. It is obvious to the majority because they, yeah, they take things, certain things for obvious and you don't need to talk about them. So, since Japan is still a relatively low immigration country, it has a high context communication style. Now, in addition to this、um, importance of reading between the lines, Building trust through indirect communication is very important. What does that mean?
If you want to make sure that your business partners truly accept you, it is not only about talking, it is also about making nonverbal communication or doing nonverbal communication with your business partner. For example, showing that you know Japanese um, traditions, norms, gestures, politeness, without saying something, without mentioning it. If you can show by actions, without using words, that you know certain uh, norms, you can build trust in Japan. So making yourself familiar with Japanese business etiquette is uh, very important. And uh, also showing nonverbal um, proof of your trustworthiness. Uh, with your business partner will absolutely help you in um, building trust uh, again through indirect communication. Japan also in regards to the um, cultural nuances and that are impacting business has a group oriented decision making style. Now there is consensus building um, in groups which I uh, touched on also again in episode two briefly, where a decision might not be made during a meeting. In most cases, it's not made during a meeting uh, when you're meeting with the other party. So for example, you want to strike a deal with a company and they're hesitant, they don't want to make, the decision maker doesn't want to make that decision there and then, and they will get back with that or take that uh, decision and uh, postpone it to an internal meeting and will set up a new meeting with you to transmit the message. So the, the meeting itself in Japan is not meant to be a decision-making location, but a delivering a message location. So the uh, decision processes might take a bit longer in Japan, but on the other hand, after the decision is made, the rest happens pretty quickly. Decisions are sometimes, or making decisions in Japan can be a long process and uh, many Westerners get very frustrated. But once the decision is made, um, the action taking and the, the operations are uh, pretty seamless and uh, uh, quick. Uh, then Hierarchy, although decision is made in a consensus with a team, uh, the hierarchy is still very important in organizations. Um, so respecting the hierarchy, who you're talking to, who you're addressing, um, who um, you actually uh, try to address for accelerating the decision-making process is very important. It's a, a delicate, um, point that you need to better understand who, what the hierarchy is in uh, the organization that you're dealing with and uh, to not make mistakes, to talk to the wrong people that in the end will not help you and not make the, the necessary decision that you're looking for. Now moving on into the second segment where we we're talking about building strong relationships, um, the emphasis in Japan rather um, being transactional or having like a transactional business relationship, it is about building truly long-term strong relationships. 
even if the transaction isn't there, a Japanese business partner will value the long-term relationship with you more than a short-term transaction or even a mid-term transaction. So even if you cannot perform short-term, um, they will most likely not complain but um, try to build a long-term relationship because if they already made the decision to work with you, that's a proof that they have done their due diligence on you and they do trust you that you will be the right partner long-term. So they're not necessarily looking for short-term gain from a certain business relationship or a deal that was agreed on. Um, but the same applies to you as well. So if they do not make the, um, the necessary or the expected um, progress on certain things, they expect that you react the same way and that you um, uh, focus on the relationship rather than on the short-term transaction. Now, again, before you even get to that point, you need to establish trust. Before you even do business with them, you really need to establish trust. Um, before starting a small project, they need to know that you're trustworthy, that you, you know what their pain points are, you know how to communicate with them, you know what they're afraid of, that they're risk averse, you know who uh, they are currently working with and why they'd rather work with uh, that company than with yours. Um, you need to make, make a plan B. So for example, rather than switch the supplier immediately, say, um, how about having us as a secondary supplier and we take it from there. Uh, so again, establishing trust for your business is uh, very important. Um, now, there is there are networking events where you can might be able to uh, get to your decision makers of the the target customer that you you want to work with but keep in mind that in Japan it is rather uncommon to just walk up to somebody and introduce yourself it is it does happen and it's getting more um, let's say uh, accepted but traditionally in Japan you get introduced by someone that already knows that person and that gets you into that circle. So when you go to a um, networking or relationship building event, keep this in mind that you rather have someone that introduces you than uh, introduce yourself. I mean, of course, um, you can do that as well, but there might be some awkward moments um, if you go that and do that uh, straightforward. It is. Again, it's not impossible and it, absolutely you can do it. Um, and as you are a foreigner, uh, I suppose, um, it will be more acceptable. You have that so-called gaijin or foreigner bonus that you can do that. Uh, but it's always smoother entry if you're introduced by someone. Then. In building strong relationships, we also have to consider the gift-giving etiquette. Like there's a significance of gift-giving in Japanese culture. Japanese give gifts at uh, customer visits. Um, there is a, a gift-giving in the middle of the year, towards the end of the year. Um, you usually don't come empty-handed to a business meeting, especially if you come from abroad. Uh, people always, um, I mean, they don't expect it. 
but if you know a bit about cultural business, Japanese business culture, coming with some kind of um, gift will be very um, uh, well accepted and uh, they will understand that you have understood Japanese business culture. So uh, don't exaggerate, but uh, in best case, some consumable or some uh, local um, specialty, some food item, Uh, or some drink will be highly appreciated and uh, um, you should try to keep it bef below $50 uh, to not uh, exaggerate, um, exaggerate it and uh, in, in turn cause some um, uh, yeah, awkward moment again if it's something too fancy. Um, now, there are also uh, different gifts for different occasions. So, for example, um, you should always consider the season that you're going to uh, visit or you're going to have a visitor from Japan. Uh, Japanese love seasonal gifts. So if you have anything that is uh, seasonal from your area where you're from, that would be truly appreciated since Japan is a very seasonal gift giving, has a very seasonal gift giving tradition and it's like the season's basically spring, summer, uh, fall, and, and winter. Now, coming to the last segment, which is communication starts in etiquette. Um, talking about politeness and um, formality. In Japan, the proper use of honorifics and titles is very important. So, you usually uh, end with a son, so Tanaka-san, whoever-san, Usually it's not the first name, but the family name that you're using. That's uh, more uh, showing more respect. But in turn, Japanese tend to use first names of foreigners with a son in the end. So they do have um, kind of a, a honorific at the um, very end, but um, they uh, will put your first name um, in there. I give you a, a small example of uh, my time at Komatsu, um, everybody had their name tag with their family name in, uh, in my purchasing department when I used to work in Komatsu. So Tanaka-san or, um, uh, I don't know, Mitsukoshi-san or uh, Yamada-san, uh, you name it. Or, without a son in the end, but just Yamada, Tanaka, Mitsukoshi, uh, and so on and so on. And I had a, uh, on my table, a, a name tag with just Eric. So I kind of complained. I was like a kind of a KY or Kuki no Yomanai, can't read between the lines, but I found it a bit, honestly, since I come from Germany where um, formality is a bit more important than um, in the US, for example and where uh, usually you address somebody by their family name when, when you get to know them for quite a long time until they offer you to call them by their first name. Until then you just call them by their family name. So in most occasions um, where somebody's older than you. So I actually requested to have my name tag changed to my family name as well. Um, although my family name sounds a bit uh, uh, strange or, or funny in Japanese, it's ahorna, uh, which kind of main, means um, uh, stupid or silly, uh, So, but it's, it's easy to, to remember. So aho means uh, uh, silly or stupid. 
And so um, I kind of insisted that they gave me my name tag with my family name, but that I made a point there. And uh, they also realized, oh, okay, not all foreigners are the same. Uh, because he's from Germany, he has, uh, yeah, some different culture, like uh, his cultural backgrounds and his cultural nuance is different than uh, maybe some Americans that they have been exposed to. So yeah, um, just to uh, tell you a bit about what um, uh, is important in, in that regards. Um, now, bowing etiquette and its significance, bowing is a art form in itself in Japan. It really depends who you're bowing towards, be it your, um, if you just, you can just nod, if you say good morning to someone, um, if it's uh, if you're not the friendliest person and you um, have somebody who's not superior to you, you don't even nod or anything. Um, somebody you don't really know, you will nod slightly. Uh, depending on that, then you're superior. You might bow a bit uh, deeper um, than the um, uh, vice president might receive a bigger bow. If it's somebody from another, um, uh, from a business partner or from client, the bow might be even deeper and then the deepest bows towards um, members of the royal family in Japan. So um, this is a, an art form in, in itself and I encourage you to look into this, but. Uh, don't stress it too much as a foreigner people will not expect it from it too much uh, and uh, Again, if you bow too deeply to somebody can be a bit awkward. So just try to get like a I don't know um, 30 to uh, uh, maximum 45 degree bow when um, uh, When you bow to to somebody um, now there's also uh, the nonverbal communication that I mentioned about, uh, or I mentioned in the very beginning in the high context communication style section. And uh, reading body language and facial expression is really important, although sometimes facial expressions might be difficult to read. But don't uh, get confused if you see a Japanese person falling asleep in a meeting. It, constantly happens um, they might not fall asleep but they might be listening with their eyes closed you never know uh, but it does happen and this is nothing that is uh, rude or anything um, in japan it's um, especially the um, uh, older participants of the of the uh, meeting um, it happens uh, quite frequently at my time at Komatsu, I saw that, and it's nothing that anybody feels offended about, so uh, um, don't uh, worry if that happens to you. They necessarily, doesn't mean that they're not listening, um, uh, but it could also mean that they are actually um, like super tired because of um, something or some um, uh, drinking or whatever happened the, the night before. Uh, so you, if that happens, you can, uh, uh, I, in my case, I would try to um, sum up the meeting or speed up the meeting and get to the core of the meeting if uh, you're already in, in that position and to, uh, to put your ask or your request on the table 
um, as soon as possible. But uh, again, don't stress if, if that happens to you. Um, now, the importance of maintaining composure in business settings is something um, that uh, I can't stress enough. If you are, if you're showing emotions like anger or especially impatience during a meeting, Japanese business partners will think that this is something that they have to count with once they do business with you on a frequent basis. So that's their due diligence. They want to see how you react on an emotional basis in stressful situations. If you can maintain your composure in stressful situations, um, in disappointing situations, you are one step closer to doing business with uh, the Japanese. So don't lose your composure. Do everything possible to um, postpone your emotional expressions to afterwards because this is not helpful at all with Japanese um, uh, business partners or Japanese parties uh, during a meeting or a negotiation. Now, what I would consider that you're doing in terms of, okay, what are the, the actionable steps that you can take? Do a, um, either a seminar on Japanese uh, business culture, um, like a quick um, immersion um, with a role play, which is very useful. There are a couple of videos also uh, on YouTube, obviously, on how to exchange business cards, how to sit down in, in meetings, which is the seating order in a, in a meeting when you sit down, um, and what to do and not to do. So the do's and don'ts in Japanese business meetings. Um, make yourself acquainted with Japanese business culture and uh, what to do and not to do in, um, in meetings. Um, because this can be the um, little, let's say, uh, factor for a successful or not successful meeting if your business partner decides to work with you or will not decide to work with you. Um, so I would um, uh, try to be very observant. So adapting to business culture, you still... Be yourself, don't try to change who you are, but be yourself and try to be observant of what your surroundings are doing. Um, try to be very uh, conscious of your actions and try a bit to imitate to a certain extent what you see around you uh, and be mindful and uh, just don't think for during the Japanese business meeting that you're not... Um, uh, yeah, the most important person in the room, but uh, try to just be humble. And if you can stay humble and obs like observing what's happening around you, you're on the right path. Um, if you also have some experiences in regards to uh, Japanese business culture, um, or you have any questions, please feel free to let me know in the comment section below. And um, I uh, really look forward to your feedback also in regards to other topics and subjects that you would like me to cover in the future. Um, in the next episode, we're going to talk about market research and analysis, how to do market research and how to do analysis of market Japanese market data and how to work with that. 
And um, I um, thank you for listening today again. Uh, this is Eric signing out. Arigatou gozaimasu.